This is the truth of the matter is episode number 22. I'm your host, Daniel, and I'm here with Jonathan. Let's first start off by recognizing and appreciating all of our consistent listeners. We thank you all in advance for continuing to press play at your own convenience. Also, we want to give a warm welcome to all of our new listeners. Whether you only listen to just one episode or many more after that, we thank you for giving us a chance. We appreciate your time. So, Mr. Jonathan, do you have any updates for us on the current um, Houthi situation? Yeah, man, it's back up and running. Actually started back up earlier than I thought because I actually received a part earlier. I guess it was me emailing them constantly and letting them know, like, hey, you know, you told me the part was in stock. Why haven't you put it out for delivery yet? So I believe I reached out maybe three times the most, I promise. (laughs) And someone responded back to me and then assured me that it was going to be sent out. And they actually provided me the order number. And then... When the part came, then following day, I was able to take it to my mechanic, Frank, and he was able to get the job done. It's running well now. And you So, know, I, I got to tell the viewers how I knew that everything was up and okay. So, I've been watching Jonathan walk around the house. And, you know, when the Houthi isn't informed, you can tell he's not informed. You see his shoulders slacking a little bit. He's leaning mm. forward. His chin is tucked in. All of a sudden, I think it was like, what was it, Tuesday or Wednesday night? I'm just over here at my desk doing my own thing. And I see Jonathan come in, chest all out, chin <laughs> up, <laughs> shoulders rolled back, uh, looking like a, a rich man walking down Wall Street. And he's got this bag over his shoulder, this other bag on his back. And I'm just looking like, is everything okay with your car? <laughs> and he gets the biggest grin on his face. <laughs> I knew everything was going well from that point. Yeah, it was... so <laughs> I had to share that with the people. Yeah, all right. What you what you trying to say? I got my mojo back, huh? Yeah, you look like um, you look like a man with a brand new haircut, man, fresh out the barbershop. <laughs> I didn't know my posture is not the way it usually is because of that. I I didn't I didn't know that. Well, you know, you're able to work and do your thing, so Uh get around easier, so Uh it it definitely reflects in your body language, for Uh sure. Well, now I got to make sure that my body language is the same, regardless of whether my car is, you know, not running or it is, so. That's a hard thing to hide. I know, but you know what? I'm going to make an effort to hide it. (laughs) (laughs) So this story can never come up again. No, I'm playing. I don't mind it. So interesting thing right about the car. So every the car's running well, right? I park the car, I do the normal things that I do before I get prepared to head out. I head out. Now there's an issue with the starter. 
And I'm just like, oh. but now I didn't know it was a starter at first. So I pull over to the mechanic and I'm thinking it's the battery. I'm just like, oh my God, why? what's going on with the battery? I'm a little upset. Come to find out the following day, it's my starter. And they put the people at the counter, man, that work there. And this is for people that work, you know, behind the counter at any store. You got to be very careful and attentive to what's going on. And I say that because I went in there, and I don't know, maybe it's because I had my mask on, but I went in there and I said, hey, let me get a starter for a 2003 Honda Accord EX. Somehow, someway, right? They tell me they don't have the part there that I have to go to another store. So I'm like, okay, that's fine. And they was talking about about $500 for a starter. I'm just like researching. I'm like, $500 for a starter? It didn't sound right to me. So I go to another Arch Auto. So it was Arch Auto that I went to. Come to find out, they look at the receipt. And they say, the guy says to me, he says, well, I'm looking outside. Is that your car? And I said, yes. He says, that doesn't look like a 2015 Honda Accord. And I said, well, it's not because I don't drive a 2015 Honda Accord. I wish, right? <coughs> Excuse me. I wish. But he tells me that that's what the receipt is. So I'm a little frustrated. <coughs> Excuse me. I know it's not COVID. It's got something going on yeah, here. Yeah, I thought I had a Come out there and put you down. <laughs> Hold on. <coughs> Stand by, people. Got to make sure I'm right. Okay. So, it looks like they processed the wrong starter. And I was a little frustrated. I was like, man, this is your job. You're supposed to be attentive. You're supposed to be paying attention. What are you doing? processing the wrong starter so come to find out when i took a look at the actual starter i realized i had that done before and i have a lifetime warranty on it so for those out there be very attentive about what you buy and the warranties you have because if you don't the people that are working at the store are not going to pay attention to the things that are in accordance to you they'll let you go ahead and buy a whole part and never talk to you about it and mm -hmm. i never forget I, I filled my tank up and I'm on the road at a red light and the car shuts off and I'm just like, oh man. So I'm like, kick, 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 putting the key in there and it starts. And I'm like driving right near where you will pull off to and I was able to get to the mechanic in time. And I'm just like, man, I'm glad I was able to go and get this done because if I went on that day not trying to get that situated, you know, I could have been stuck. And dealing with another story for you to tell, you know? So, I'm <laughs> glad everything worked out. And I'm just appreciative, you know? That's that's how I'm feeling See, right yeah, now. See, the truth of the matter is, you know, not only do we give, like, good guidance when I believe we give good guidance when it comes to the word, or at least offer a unique perspective, you also get expert advice on dealing with hoopies. So, mm. yeah, we do. So before we go on, benefits here. before we go on, there's something I wanted to mention, and I'll mention it uh -oh. here, and, and I want your thought on this, right? And I've seen this numerous times, and I can't fathom, or I can't, like, have the mindset to wonder why, why, why do I see this constantly? And what I, what I see is, 
every single time I go into an establishment, a restaurant, a place of business, when you go into the bathroom, you have people that just trash the bathroom. It's not your bathroom. It's a public bathroom used for the consumers that come in and purchase items. Why do people feel the need to throw the paper, toilet paper on the floor, and toilet paper all over the place, and pee all over the seat? Why? I don't understand. You don't treat your own bathroom like that. Why are you doing that in a public place? Well, we don't know that. You know? Okay. Okay. That's a good point. <laughs> we don't. <laughs> right? I'm giving people too much credit. But there you go. what's frustrating to me is I walk into an establishment and it's disgusting. And I'm just like, as adults, the bathroom is used for one purpose. You use it and you leave. And you leave it exactly how you left it. But it's just a common courtesy that people feel the need to trash the bathroom. And I'm just like, what do you think is going on in the psyche of these individuals? Like, they think it's a game. These are adults. What's going on? What do you, you know, think? <laughs> I'll say this. Certain times, <laughs> I feel like if I question everything that I've seen that's wrong, I would go insane. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things where I look at it and it's a path I just choose not to try to understand because oh. it would it would literally just frustrate me. Gotcha. It's like mommy <laughs> says, try serious thought. Yeah, and I, I would not. I just I just can't do it. I think mommy made it said it best. He said the reason why it's foolishness and trying to understand foolishness is the reason why it's called foolishness because you can't understand it. That's right. right. And I, I, I it's just just don't do it. Yeah. I, <laughs> Like you guys can't be, you guys can't be, you know, you know, use the purpose of what the bathroom's supposed to be. I don't understand. It's it's okay. Let's move on because we're not gonna get an answer. It's not like we have an audience, right? Where we can we can get some of those people out there that have the audacity to think like that. But it's just, I just wish things were all better. of our listeners clean up behind themselves. We don't have to worry about that. Yeah, we don't know that. <laughs> right, they believe in Jesus, but we still don't know that. <laughs> and even those who don't believe in Jesus, we don't know that. All right, okay. Just felt like I should do that out there. I believe in y'all. Don't worry about him. Okay. okay. So what's next? Prayer, prayer, man. My man, you're the guy. You're the guy. You set the example I'm last the week. Today. Yes, you are now. You set the example okay. last week, so how about we hear one of these short, imaginable prayers now? How about that? I would love to do the honors. Okay. Okay. Everybody bow thou head. Oh, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this very day, and yet we are hopeful that we may see many more. We ask that you open our eyes, ears, heart, and mind to understand your purpose for coming into the world that we have on our behalf. You have showed us love in various ways that we will never understand. We ask that on our journey with you, as you continue to open our understanding to see that you want a relationship, not religion, but importantly, that we must have faith in you. We ask for insight and seek your stewardship. Provide us peace of mind in your presence. We say these things with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Very nice. Very nice. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but the people got to give you an applause. <laughs> let's, let's give you an applause for that one. 
Isn't it nice to get praised? Yeah, yeah. For the people that love you, not for the people that you never, you know, you don't talk to anymore. I mean, those are nice praise, but best believe when you're down, they'll be the same ones to talk about you. <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. you in the gut real quick. Um, so, outside of the prayer and, you know, all the funny stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. On a serious note, where I'm assuming we're continuing with the gospel series today. Yeah, well, we're going to take a deep dive into having active faith. And we're also going to take a look at some startling discoveries that I've encountered while reading the scripture. And as a reminder, this is all coming out of the book of Luke. So we're continuing the book of Luke. And we're going to study the word of God today a bit more closely. That would be good. Yes, we shall. But first and foremost, right, I want to make sure we set the table before we dig in right get ready to eat right being a true follower of christ means that the choice you have made should be a conviction not a preference now i've spoken about this on an episode that was titled faith is a reason trust therefore i encourage those who haven't given it a listen to check it out in your own personal time but as a courtesy and a reminder let's Review a few things that I've mentioned previously, right? So I've talked about a conviction, right? A conviction is something you believe in wholeheartedly. It's a choice made in confidence. Even if you are under some serious pressure, right? One does not fold or stay under that pressure into not believing in what they believe, but they remain strong and courageous with the decisions that they made. So, obviously, what we like to do is we like to combine and mention some things that are relevant, that's happening, so that people can have a better understanding. So, a worldly example that comes to mind, at least for me, is Kyrie Irving, right? He's refusing to take the vaccine. There's no bias here, right? We're not going to talk about whether it's a bad choice or a negative choice, but we're going to mention that he's said that he's not against the vaccine, but wants to be a voice for the voiceless, right? Therefore, he's not interested in taking a vaccine. And I will say that his approach, maybe even his mindset, is more from the perspective of having a conviction in his personal beliefs, right? And now we're going to talk about what a preference is, right? And a preference is one who has chosen to remain open with their beliefs. They've chosen to remain open with their beliefs, right? Nothing is written in stone, right? There's sort of perspective comes from more of a scientist perspective right that when you have new discoveries and news that is breaking developing right their opinion is valued but most important the conclusions that they come up with give you conclusions that are led with a preference right so keep in mind that their views can change and can be convincing right that means that if someone brings a different perspective that's more along the lines of what they've considered or possibly thought about, right? And is rooted in a, a conversation that evolves around a dialogue or an ideology that's comfortable, right? And is around the lines of comfortability within their own personal beliefs. That's what they side with, right? And the issue with that is your beliefs are not a conviction, but a preference, right? Your mind can be corrupted and so can your beliefs. Sometimes there's a feeling of what you're hearing can be good statements that lead you to have a conclusion that's more along the popular 
opinion, right? And I think that's something we can't underestimate. But at the same time, that's something that becomes tricky, right? So to put it in simpler terms, right? A person who has a conviction is someone who believes are unchangeable, regardless of the pressure that they experience. And a person who has a preference is someone whose beliefs can change with persuasion. Now that I have spoken about that, how about I also mention what a paradox is, right? So keep in mind that the Bible is full of them, right? So a paradox is a remind a reminder of a paradox is basically a seemingly exerved or self-contradictory statement or proposition that when investigated or explained may prove to be well-founded or true. Let me repeat that again. A paradox is a seemingly exerted or self-contradictory statement or proposition that when investigated or explained may prove to be well-founded or true. Last week, we talked about searching for the truth, not anyone's truth, but the truth. And we mentioned the scripture that's in Matthew 7, right? Verse 7 through 9, which says, Action shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who acts receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened to you. So now that we have establish that foundation of those things let's begin our search into what active faith looks like right so the first thing we must do is we'll go to hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 which says in the king james version by the way faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen also to be transparent we'll look at it in niv version faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see now, I want us to take a very hard look into Hebrews. And there's another important verse that I think that's worth mentioning, right? And that's Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. And it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now, some translations, like in the King James Version, this diligently seek him, right? And we're going to look at this term earnestly and diligently and we're going to define them so earnestly means to do it in a thorough and serious way intending to succeed right diligently means something done with great persistence care or dedication so now that i've looked up those words and defined them for you you have an idea of what active faith entails from at least a functional standpoint right so Let's dig even deeper. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masses, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So these are things that you proceed to do when you're acting in faith, right? And you're doing things with the benefit of not just others, but for yourself. Let's also take a look at what it says in Colossians 3.17. It says, whatever you do, no matter what it is, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus and in dependence on him, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So again, whatever you do, do it in thanks to him and appreciation for it. One other thing. 
This is where we get people who pray before we eat, right? First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 30 says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do. So it doesn't have to be necessary food or whatever you do. Do it all to the glory of God. This is first Corinthians chapter 10, verse 30. Now that we've done that. Let's take a look of the book of Luke, chapter 7, verse 1 through 10. And Dane, would you do the honors? When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Comparion. There, a centurion servant, who his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some of the elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus... They plead earnestly with him. This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. It was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority. When soldiers under me, I tell them this one, go, and he goes. And that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd, following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. Okay. Great job, by the way, Daniel. Thank you. First thing to make note of about this text is the satirian, right? And he heard of Jesus and sent his elders. So what do we know about faith, right? Paul says in Romans chapter 10 that faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word about who? That would be Christ, right? Secondly, when you read this text, what else can you pick up? The men, when they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly. What is one of the things you must do in being active with your faith? You're being earnest and diligent with your actions. So, we just defined those two terms and we just saw how it actually played out in the actions, right? Interesting. The third and most important thing that the man did was that he believed, right? He had faith. That's why he said, say the word and my servant will be healed. Jesus was so impressed that he said that he had not found such great faith even in Israel. So, what can we learn from a story like this? Simple, right? And yet very direct. We walk by faith and not by sight, which means that we live by believing, not by seeing. And you can find this in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. Now, I believe here's an even deeper way to view how you should go about your faith. And I believe it can be found in 2 Corinthians right, chapter 4, verse 18. He says we should which is a suggestion for Paul. Fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So what does that mean? 
right? Fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, which is seen. What is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal, right? So when we move in faith, we have to believe that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask, think, or imagine, right? When we move in faith, we have to believe that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask, think, or imagine, right? Now, that vision, when you draw on a napkin, that no one knows about or sees is an example of that, right? Obviously, you have a text like in the book of James that says faith without works is dead. So, of course, it's going to require work, right? You can't just dream it into existence. You have to do your part as well. God has something to work with when you do your part, right? Same for studying, right? An example that we I use all the time when we were in college or in high school that in order to do well in the exam, you study hard. And what happens is God brings those things back to your remembrance, right? What it is that you need to remember to actually do well in your exam, right? God has to have something to work with when you do that. So that's why faith without works is dead. You have to have faith and you also have to work. You can't just have faith and no works. You can also have works, but no faith, right? But that's not the angle that we're choosing to operate in. So now that we've broken that down, we're going to dig even deeper. So let's look at these two stories here, right? Because there's a lot to gather from these two stories. But we're looking at active faith, right? That's the topic. That's the angle that we're coming from. So, Daniel, I want you to read the book of Luke chapter 8. Verse 40 through 48, and then right after, I want you to look at and read the book of Luke, chapter 7, verse 37 through 50. Now, when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman who was there, who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. And immediately, her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out for me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched them and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. 
a woman in that town who had lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him, at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So, he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them would love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had bigger debt forgiven? You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she had poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven, little loves little the jesus said to her your sins are forgiven the other guests began to say among themselves who is this who who even forgives sins jesus said to the woman your faith has saved you go in peace all right good job daniel Right. So there's a lot that can be said about both these two stories. But for now, I want to point out for discussion that they both had something that I would call desperate faith, which is active faith. So remember what I said about praying. Right. Be open. Be honest. Be vulnerable. The woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years with no one having the ability to heal her had faith and took a chance she believed right she had faith that if she could just touch the edge of jesus's cloth he would make a difference and guess what her faith healed her right her faith made her whole in the king james language she took that chance and it paid off the problem that most of us have is when we are dealing with a lot of issues whether it's illnesses diseases, financial concerns, mental health, right? And the one person who has that capability of correcting those things gets overlooked all the time. And that's Jesus, right? 
And again, when we're talking about walking in faith and not by sight, on the surface, the worldly example is people view believing in Christ and giving him a chance as something, you know, mystical, magical, right? That that's something that you only read in folktale stories and stories that are in books. But no, Jesus is a healer, right? One of the the episodes we did is about something in along the lines of him expressing complete supreme authority, right? Over the people that need him and over the situations that he encountered. I think sometimes we underestimate his ability to make a difference. And ultimately, if he's placed inside of your life and your present and ultimately your future, he has the ability to impact you in ways that you can never think or imagine. Right. And that's, again, operating in the realm of faith. Now, I'm sure many of us have seen several illustrations, whether it's on Facebook, social media, and it's usually along the lines of you're seeing a man or a woman being asked to jump and not having the willingness to jump because they don't see what's in front of them. Right. But when we read in the book of Proverbs that God makes our path straight, that's through faith because we can't see them. We don't know what's ahead of us. Right. That's why God goes ahead of you because he knows all things and who better than to lead you than God. When we look at the woman in the next story, right, which is interesting, right? She was living a sinful life and learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. Remember what I said earlier that Paul mentions in Romans 10, that faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word about who? Christ. So she heard where he would be at. And being and exercising, she had active faith and went there with the intent for her sins to be forgiven. How so? Look at what she did. According to Jesus, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did, she did not, you did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. Right. So where do we find more valuable verses that back up statements like this? We look in the book of first Peter, chapter four, verse eight. It says, above all. Love each other deeply. Because love does what? What does love do? It covers over a multitude of sins. It's also found in the book of James, right? To cover sins is to forgive, and forgiveness is associated with love. So understand this, right? How it relates to us. How are we at times, right? We're at times just like this young lady. When we sin daily and come to Christ, what are we looking for? Forgiveness. What are we being asked to do? Repent. Right. That's why Christ forgives us, because he loves us. How do I know that? First John chapter one, verse nine says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So, again, the Bible is a harmony. It's a book that's 
harmonize. Why? Because there's verses after verses that are provided to give a better explanation and knowledge of what's going on. And being attentive, right? Being active in your understanding, right? Gives you a clear indication on how to see how these verses come together to give you the knowledge, the insight that you need, right? All these things were written for your understanding, for your clarification. And we can't overlook that. Now, here's something I want. It, this is a bonus that I wanted to provide. And that's some of the startling discoveries that I found while reading these three passages. But first, let's hear Daniel read them. So let's start off with Luke chapter 7, verse 12 through 17. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. A larger crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, Don't cry. Then he went up and touched the bear. They were carrying him on, and the bearer stood still. He said, Young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. So as an aside note, right, reading this text made me realize that Jesus being God really cares about his people. When you look at what he says, right, he says a dead person was being carried out and the only son of his mother. And she was a widow and a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. So it's sort of like what you see is, is Jesus is emotional. He understood what that felt like. He empathized with her, which is why he ended up doing what he did. Sort of like when he walked around and all the people that was following him during his ministry, you know, the disciples wanted to send them home. But Jesus said, no, because they followed me and heard what I had to say. We have to feed them. That's why he took the five loaves of bread and the three pieces of fish and he fed them five thousand, four thousand. Is because God understands what you're going through. That's why we can read text that talks about that God understands all things. And if he can clothe the fields and feed nature and the things that nature needs, of course he's going to do that for us because we have more monetary value, right? We're individuals that are operating and living and we are created in his image. So, of course, God's going to make sure that we're taken care of. So again, let me repeat the ending that he said. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. So this is something that I caught. So Daniel, read the book of Luke chapter 8, verse 48 through 56, please. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, 
Jesus said to Jairus, Don't be afraid. Just believe and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She is not dead but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, My child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. Okay, very good. Now one more other thing, and then we will conclude from here. And that's the Gospel of John, chapter 11, verses 11 through 14. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. But I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought that he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go. Yeah. So one of the things I caught on is Jesus didn't really see those individuals as dead, but only asleep, which I think is interesting, right? He said these individuals were asleep, which means all they needed to hear was his voice. And that's why in the first story, he says, young man, I say to you, get up. And the dead man sat up and began to talk. In the second story, we continue with that narrative that we had in the beginning about Jesus. And one of the things he says is, don't be afraid, just believe, and she will be healed, right? Right? Wow, that's amazing, at least to me. In that same story, he says, she is not dead, but asleep. And what did the people do around him? They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead but he took her by the hand and said my child get up and guess what happened her spirit returned so only the Christ can do something like what we have seen right in the Lazarus story Jesus said our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep but I am going there to wake him up again we hear that he views us as only asleep so I find Jesus' approach to be interesting, which is why, you know, ultimately he had to change it to something that's more noticeable, that they were dead. Which is why his disciples replied to him and said, Lord, if he sleeps, he would get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but the disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them, plainly, Lazarus is dead. So this is what I will leave with you, right? But before, what do you think of that? 
Why do you think Jesus is declaring that these individuals are asleep and not necessarily dead? What can you think about? Um, I'm glad you asked that because honestly, I didn't think to question it. Mm-hmm. Jesus says you're asleep. I think it means like when you get reborn again, when we leave here, you know, mm-hmm. you're really waking up for the first time. So mm-hmm. that's how I always viewed it. But if it's the case where it's like the way it's written in the passage. And what happened previously? And it's like the death was not like a real death. Mm. Well, the scripture does say. I remember there's a statement Jesus makes to a man that Jesus asks them. He says, "Follow me," and he says, "I must bury the dead." He said, "Let the dead bury his own dead." He also talks about individuals being spiritually dead. Hmm. So that's an interesting thing to think about because there are a lot of people walking around spiritually dead, which means worldly they are alive, right? Functioning, Mm -hmm. operating, but spiritually they're not alive. So understand that when us as Christians, when we're saved, it's our spirits that get saved. So a lot of people don't understand that, that once your body, you know, your, your soul and everything dies here, your spirit remains. That's why it also talks about you must worship him in spirit and in truth. It's because he's came to save your spirit. It's your spirit that makes the body alive in the first place. Right. So this is what I will leave with you all. And it comes out of the Gospel of John, chapter six, verse 63 says, right, that the words I have spoken to you, they are full of the spirit. And life, which means that the words Jesus speaks, right? The same words that we study and let into our spirits have the power to give us life. Life in a literal sense, because we see he spoke to those who were dead and they woke up. We see his power over nature, right? We haven't discussed this yet. But in Luke chapter 8, verse 24, when his disciples were in the boat and the storm came, right? He got up and rebuked the winds and the raging waters and the storm subsided and all was calm. In some translations, he tells the oceans and the waves to be still. Right. And we see Jesus's words of encouragement that are for positive, you know, receiving or receiving things in a positive manner. And that's in the parables that we learn. Right. And how it relates to us in everyday life, especially during that particular period of time. And the ultimate thing that he wants from us all is he wants us to have faith. Have faith in him, right? And have faith in God. Or as Jesus says, have faith in God and also have faith in me. So I hope, you know, there's something that we said today in terms of what active faith looks like. And it's a process, right? But the most important thing that I want to make mention of is having faith as the side of the mustard seed is all that's required. And that's something Jesus makes us become knowledgeable of. And the mustard seed is a very, very, very small seed. One of the smallest seeds that's out there. So when we see things like that, we understand that just a small ounce of faith. 
right? In the book of Romans, it says he compares faith into eating all things. There are some people who are only vegetarians, and there are some people that eat everything, right? And there's a difference between understanding that some people have small little, small amount of faith and some people have large amount of faith. But we're not in a predicament to judge people with the amount of faith that they have. Because the fact that they have faith at all illustrates that they belong to the kingdom of God. And in time, the hope and the belief is that things can change. And I think that has to be the mentality that we have to have. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. We should all love one another. We all should be mutually encouraged by one another's faith. And we all should be staring one another in a direction to improve our faith. And that comes from reading your word daily. That comes from listening to gospel music. That comes from pouring into one another. That comes from being positive. And that comes from operating as ambassadors for Christ. And as long as you continue to do that daily, operating in truth, doing the best that you can with what you're dealt with, and sharing your faith among others, then I don't see it ever being an issue or concern. And that's what we'll end with today. And that leads us into the devotional time. I'll be reading today's devotion. And we want to start off by saying many Christian men know little about their faith. If asked to give reason why they believe in Jesus, they don't know what to answer. They really haven't given much thought to it. However, in Peter chapter 3, verse 15, and this is from the NIV version, it says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. And this is the reason we believe in being true and reasonable with your faith. However, the same person who does not have an answer for why they believe in what they believe in a certain person may give very careful thought to their business plans. After all, a great deal of money is riding on them being right. But the thing to remember is that much more is riding on whether his faith is true or not, and Christianity can stand up to close scrutiny. When a Roman governor protests that Paul was out of his mind for believing in Jesus, Paul replied, I am not insane. What I'm saying is true and reasonable, and that comes out of Acts chapter 26, verse 25. The Christian faith not only is true, but also makes sense. What we want to encourage you here on our podcast, which is the truth of the matter, is, is to always investigate your faith, constantly challenge your perspective, and always do your best when it comes to learning about who you are as a person, what it is that you believe, and what you accept to be true. We like to think that the truth comes from the word, but also there's truths of life that is revealed to you by thinking. So all these things will end up making you a more effective witness for Jesus. I'm also going to Amen. pray yourself for the day. God, help me learn about the foundations of my faith and help me know how to explain what I believe to others. Open my perspective and allow me to see things from your point of view. In Jesus' name, we pray.
Amen. Amen. And have a blessed week and keep the faith, everyone.